Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFU. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV's NBA podcast. I'm Kelly Bright. I'm back. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been about two weeks, but Thomas, Chris, Mike, everyone's been holding it down. It's run so smoothly without me. I almost didn't come back, but I heard that Gigi Spear was going to be on this episode, so I had to make an appearance with my girl. But first, Thomas, glad to be back with you. And because we haven't been on the show in at least two weeks, I wanted to say congratulations for taking half of my Boston Celtics team because for some reason, every time I check my phone, the Knicks have another former Celtic. So congrats on Kemba Walker. I Hope he doesn't get injured again. Uh, Evan Fournier, oh my God, I hope he doesn't have shooting problems again. So congrats on those guys. Marcus Smart, give him a shout out for staying with the Celtics. Seems to be like, hopefully uh, Tatum and Brown join him on that. But that's enough of the Celtics. Gigi, welcome. It's been a long time since we've worked together, but you you know you're my girl. You know I love working with you. So I'm so glad you're on the show too. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with my girl too, Thomas Aiello. Um, and yeah, no, I'm so happy to be on Pick and Pod. It's going to be a great episode and I'm excited to hear about what you guys are going to think about this upcoming schedule that was just released. Oh yes. Now we're going to get into that, but first Gigi is WFUV's New York Liberty Beat reporter and Gigi, I haven't gotten a chance to really uh, sit down and ask you how that's been going, how that's been going, going to games in person, which a lot of the NBA reporters didn't get to do this season. So How has that been watching those games? I know the Liberty has struggled as of late, not exactly where they want to be, but how has that experience been for you so far? Oh, my God. Well, it's amazing. First of all, Barclays Center is popping. Every game I've been to, especially the one game I went to where they actually won, the place was jumping, and they are doing so well with marketing. And I think the best thing, too, to see in the crowd is just a lot of young girls so passionate about the game and being able to look down at the court and see people being paid to play this amazing game that's so fun. And, yeah, I think definitely before the break, something that they were working on was consistency and execution. I mean, what team is it? But that's um, I, what I remember from the press conferences. That was the biggest theme, and I think – that's what will be con- concentrated on um, for the 10 games that are left in this regular season. And there's two big games coming up against number one, um, tied for number one, Seattle Storm. Yeah, and, and speaking of the Seattle Storm, they just won the league's first ever Commissioner Cup championship. They blew out Connecticut. Um, great for both the play. great for everyone involved, though. 500K split amongst the players on the teams. Each player on the winning side received 30,000. Players on Connecticut, the losing team, got 10,000 each. And then Brianna Stewart, MVP, got an extra 5,000, which is awesome because in addition to all that and also being a gold medalist of FIBA Olympic MVP, she's now a mom, which is so cool hearing that news today. Her and her fiance, fiance welcome their first child, a girl, Ruby, hopefully a future WNBA star herself. 
um, via surrogate. So that's really cool. I want to give her a shout out for that. But uh, Thomas L, I want to ask you, I don't, I don't know how much you know about this commissioner cup. What do you think? Do you think this is something that's going to, that's going to be successful for the WNBA moving forward? And if so, do you think this is something that a league like the NBA can implement in their plans? Well, I was complaining about this on one-on-one that only having it on Amazon prime really made me upset because I wanted it to be on cable television. Now I'm, I have to confess because I, I don't really enjoy streaming services that much. The only ones I do like are NFL Red Zone, and that's about it. That's the only streaming thing that I enjoy. Other than that, I, I don't like them. I like cable TV. But I wanted it to be on cable TV because you can get more of an audience that way, and I think that people... But you would have to split between that and the Field of Dreams game, and that would have been oh, way yeah. thing, right? That is true, and I did, I did end up doing that, as I tweeted. But not everyone has Amazon Prime. And that's, that's like the one thing that was really getting me on that. But I thought it was really good for the WNBA to have like a showcase kind of thing and a more of an incentive to, to tune in because it's a, it's a one and done thing. And it's between the top two teams in the conferences. I thought that was really good. And what I learned from that is that Sue Bird is a, is a, is a, is a voodoo witch doctor. I think that's the term, witch doctor. She just controls the game as if it's just some kind of joke to her because every, everything that she was doing was almost, I don't want to say fully game-altering, but it would teeter a certain way into which the storm would just take over the game. And from the jump, they were all over the Connecticut sun. They were just yeah. completely all over them. They just pounced very quickly, and the, the sun just could not recover. And Kelly, you also asked if the NBA should do this. I, I don't think they should do it. I think they do – the play-in tournament is fine. I don't think they need to do a mid-season cup because I know the whole theme of the NBA vehicle is to not incentivize tanking. I, 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 don't, I don't think that that's going to help with the tanking thing because teams will just be like, oh, we, oh, we won the, the, the Adam Silver bottle thing or whatever, the cup, and then they're just going to immediately become horrible And because NBA teams will do that. That's just how – that league works with WNBA. It's obviously way more competitive and obviously there's not a lot of as many teams as the NBA, but you have the incentive to, you can make the playoffs. Like you have a good chance to do it every year. So I thought it was great overall for the WNBA. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought Sue Bird is, she's still a beast along with Brianna Stewart. That's just the most unstoppable duo to me. And, but no, I, I don't think the NBA should really do it. I think the play in tournament is good, is a good supplement. I think that's a good point. I, the two teams do have different makeups and they're not, it's not apples to oranges. They're, it's the same sport, but in much different leagues. And, but I, I do think, again, I agree with you. It's great for the league. I think anytime you have women, women's sports in champion and championship setting being broadcast and followed by a lot of people, that's a good thing. And I think the more people have exposure to superstars, like you mentioned, Super and Brianna Stewart, I think the better, you know, that like most leagues at this point are driven by their superstars and the, um, the WNBA is one of those leagues. And I think showcasing them and getting them on air, even if it's on Amazon Prime, is really important. And you mentioned Sue Bird being someone who is such an impact player. Gigi, as our resident New York Liberty expert, I wanted to ask you about Natasha Howard, who's been out for a while, and she just had her first appearance in almost three months Sunday night. She scored a game-high 30 points in a loss to the Lynx, but still made an impact nonetheless. How do you think her coming back is going to help this Liberty team, which is clinging to that seventh of eight available playoff spots right now? Is she going to make an impact, especially being alongside Sabrina Ionescu? How much of that is going to help them in their playoff push? 
Oh my God. I think it's going to help them so much. She hasn't been playing. She's been out for almost three months and maybe you would know what this means. A medial collateral, lig uh, le medial collateral ligament tear in her knee. Did you have that, Kelly? I, you know what? MCL is the one I haven't torn. Not going to Yeah, you've had every knee injury under the sun, it seems like. Um, Todd Gurley knees count? I have those. <laughs> I, have, I have Todd Gurley knees in a, in a very coupon form, yeah. I thought you said hot girly knees. I no. was like, well, I see that. That's pretty, I'm, ha I'm happy for you, bro. <laughs> no, I mean, Natasha Howard coming back, dropping 30 points is absolutely ridiculous. She is the one Liberty shirt I have, actually. That was the one that was being sold. So, I mean, that tells you enough how important she is. But they've been handling well um, in her absence. And they just got Natasha Gray, too, before the break. And she was a big, a big presence in the paint. I think that the biggest thing with the Liberty is that you are seeing, as you saw in the Commissioner's Cup, which uh, Storm won 79-57 against the Sun, um, you have these superstars that you just can't compete with. We were saying that in one-on-one, too. Like, you have the trio, you have Sue Bird, you have Stewie, you even have Katie Lou Samuelson, you have Jewel Lloyd, you have all these players on, um, on the Storm. The Aces have so, so many great players. You can't forget about the Sky and the Lynx, Mercury, all these teams that are ahead of the Liberty right now. Having Natasha Howard come back right now is so crucial. As you said, I'm sure they were planning on this. They're like, yeah, take as many months as you need. If you want that whole month off of um, the All-Star and Olympic break, take that. And she was putting in the work. And um, tomorrow night, um, Sue Bird and Stewie both won't be playing. Like you said, Stewie just is having a baby. She's going to be taking the game off. And like you said, too, Ayala, Sue Bird's old. She's going to be taking these games off. She might play on Friday. We'll see how that goes. But I think that the biggest thing for the Liberty tomorrow to look out for, I mean, they just lost to the Lynx on Sunday at the Target Center in Minneapolis, but um, it was down to the wire in that game that they just came back from on the break. And the Storm just lost, too. Subert and Stewie didn't play on Sunday. So with those two being out, it was a close game for them. And then the Lynx-Liberty game, that was a close game. It came down to the wire, and they didn't score. They The um, the Lynx went on a big run in the fourth quarter. So the Liberty kind of slipped up. And like I said, um, the big push for them before the break even was consistency. And what we're going to see from the Liberty, I feel like moving forward, is just more consistent output. Like you said, Aiello, Subert is going to be this playmaker. She's a magician voodoo doctor out there. And that's what Sabrina Ionescu is for the Liberty. And to have someone, a scorer like Natasha Howard, 30 points um, on Sunday, and you have a playmaker in Sabrina Ionescu, dude, it's going to be a great, great matchup. And we'll see. And you still have leading three-point um, scorer, Sammy Whitcomb, on the Liberty, and a great veteran, too, just to have in, in the locker room. Jazz Jones, great energy. She'll be out tomorrow, but she'll still be giving energy on the bench. I mean, we all have those kind of players. Like, if you shout out, like, for women's basketball, for example, you have Idona, who was just Sabrina Inescu's body double in um, the NBA 2K commercial. I don't know if I can release that data, but, um, yeah. So, you have <laughs> uh, – we got, we got Fordham representing on Liberty maybe one day. But, no, so, basically, yeah, Natasha Howard is going to be a great, great thing moving forward. And then tomorrow night, we'll see how it goes against the storm. It's going to be the Girl Scout game. What if that's going to motivate the team any more? But it'll be a good way for young girls to feel even more empowered. Like I said, I've been seeing a lot of them in the crowd. Um, and we'll see. It's their first matchup of the season, too. So it really could go anyway, especially with the injuries and what players are out and what players are back now. You got Tosh back putting 30 
um, on the links. So I think it's going to be an exciting game to watch, even these next two games. And the Liberty have a really tough schedule for these last 10 games. So I think that's going to affect their standing up a little bit. But I will definitely say, I'll put this down right now, out of loyalty and respect, they'll be in the top eight. They'll make it to the playoffs. Not worried. I respect that. I respect that. Now, did you mention the Seattle Storm loss on Sunday? And I wanted to bring that up because that loss to the Chicago Sky was the most watched WNBA regular season game since 2012, drawing 755,000 average viewers. And that number came without Sue Bird and Stewie. They were both resting. So I think that's really important for the league that even without their two biggest players, literally the two players that even people who don't watch the league know about weren't even playing and they got their highest uh, viewing for a regular season game in, in, a, in a decade pretty much. So I think that's really good for the league. And I'm really excited to see where it goes from there. Because like you said, it's, it's so important for young girls to see that and know that there is a future for them too in athletics, not just, not just the guys with basketball. So, but, but speaking of viewing, viewing and games and all that, the NBA, you know, this is an NBA show and their 75th anniversary season is coming up and they just released the opening day and Christmas schedules, which is the biggest days, in my opinion, of regular season basketball. And oh my God, as usual, they've blessed us. The basketball schedule gods have given us some great stuff. Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks opening night, Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers opening night. And then you look ahead at Christmas, Hawks and Knicks, Celtics and Bucks, Warriors and Suns, Nets and Lakers, and then Mavs and Jazz. And all, obviously all those are great matchups, but I want to hear from each of you which of those games you are most looking forward to. I'll go first. For me, I got a chance to see uh, the Hawks play in person when I went to a Sixers game. Um, and seeing how crowds react to Trey Young is insane. And I think he's really, he's really one of the new faces of this younger generation in the league. And so I'm really looking forward to that Hawks and Knicks matchup on Christmas day. It's a rematch, you know, of that first round playoff series for Trey Young and, you know, coming up, they had the gentleman sweep against your Knicks. Thomas Ayel is shaking his head right now, but I, I think that's going to be in Madison Square Garden. And I can't wait for to honestly, what I'm most excited for is, is to hear what the crowd has to say to Trey Young when he's in there again. Um, the last time he was there, it wasn't pretty. So definitely excited to see how that goes. But Thomas Ayello, what game are you most looking forward to? I mean, do you, do you guys think you know the answer to this question? It's pretty obvious which game I'm looking forward to. Can I guess? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> All right, opening game is Celtics-Knicks. Yes, correct. <laughs> I am. I'm looking forward to making fun of the Celtics for two reasons. Number one, because we stole, or not we, the Knicks stole half of the Celtics team pretty much. We stole their uh, high, most highly rated um, offensive backcourt, which had a very positive net rating, actually, for the entire season. And the second game is actually the Hawks-Knicks uh, game on Christmas Day. Now, I know that all of the Goof Troop Nick fans went to the garden chanting Trey is balding for reasons only known to them. There, were, there was no reason to, to, to bully him, to just absolutely kick their behinds in the first round. I thought that was unnecessary because it's the first time the Knicks have been in the playoffs uh, since dinosaurs have been in existence. So there was no reason to come in and talk all this garbage to Hawks people that just knew that they had the better team. I mean, I, I picked the Knicks to win. I'm guilty of it, of course, but the Hawks were just a way better team. They were, they they went way further than I expected them to do. They, they blew up the process. They uh, disappointed Knicks fans and they almost beat Giannis who actually won the NBA finals. So 
those are those are the games I'm looking forward to. But Kelly, you mentioned early in the show that the Knicks are stealing all of your players. I think it's great. I love it. I, I, next up is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We're going to take them next. They're coming next. We got, I mean, we kept Marcus Smart. Woo. The Knicks also, also stole two second-round picks from the Celtics in the Fournier sign-in trade. And in return, the Celtics get cash compensation. Do you like cash compensation? We have I mean, I, Do you like it? It's okay. I mean, I would have. You know, I mean, I, I, we didn't need Kemba Walker, so I'm, I'm happy he's gone. Well, you have no point guard now. Who's the point guard? Oh, wait. It's the guy who turned down $84 million from the Lakers. Oh. We'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. But you can, you can have Alfred Payton. Just sign him. He, he's free. Nobody wants Alfred Payton. The Knicks didn't want Alfred Payton when they were bad. Nobody wants Alfred Payton now. The tank commander Alfred Payton. That's his new name. God. All right, Gigi, what about you? Yeah, I'll say, say mine. But first, ILO, you deserve to say we when you're talking about the Knicks. If you were a fan of them before last season, you could say we. And I'll say I don't play for them, though. Fan. I don't play for them. Oh, but but you were loyal enough That's in true. a time where you shouldn't be loyal to the Knicks or any That's New York sports. Yeah, so I give you permission to say we when you're talking about them moving Thank forward. You. Yes, Thank you're you. welcome. And I'm excited when we, obviously the Los Angeles Lakers, play the Golden State Warriors Tuesday, October 19th, 10 p.m. on TNT. I'll be tuning in. And I think it's going to give me 2016 NBA Finals vibes, which I'm so okay with. That was like the best year of my life when LeBron won. So – Dude, yeah, I mean, definitely saw that one coming. That's what I'm looking forward to. And then, like Kelly and I were talking about earlier, I wish the Nets-Lakers game on Christmas Day was home because I would definitely make my way to Barclays Center. But maybe I'll fly across the country to watch my boy LeBron Ramon James put up 30, 10, and 12. I'll call that stat line on Christmas Day. Unless he's spending it with, with the fam. I'll give him a pass. I mean, Gigi's basically part of the fam, so I think he'll be fine. I, I just hope so. Yeah, I got the invite. I wanted to bring this up about the Lakers-Nets game. I want to just ask you guys just really quickly. What are the odds that like half of the teams are just hurt? Because, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not that like it's a knock on, on the Lakers or the Nets. They're both very good teams. But everyone on both of those teams, especially the Lakers, it's almost like NBA senior home yeah. rehabilitation rosters. Like Melo, uh, Wayne Ellington's on the team, Trevor Ariza. Like, their team's old Lakers. Then you have the Nets who have load management masters and Harden, Irving, Durant. Uh, I'm sure Joe Harris is going to be taking some naps. Blake Griffin's definitely going like, to – everyone's going to load manage. I just hope – I really hope it's not Christmas. I don't know if you guys agree, but I really hope they don't load manage the Christmas game. I, that would be depressing. I think it's fair being worried about injuries given the histories of the players in that matchup. However, I don't think you choose the Christmas Day game, Nets versus Lakers, to load manage. I mean, if I'm Kevin Durant, if I'm Kyrie, if I'm Harden – if I'm Westbrook, James, AD, and, and I know I'm going to play the best other team in the league, the team, I mean, that very, that right there, the Nets versus Lakers, is very likely an NBA, you know, an NBA championship preview. So I, I don't think you take that game off. So hopefully that's something I, – I, I, it's a good point. It's a good point. And, Gigi, I, before you answer that question, I wanted to say the only thing I'm – I wish with that Warriors-Lakers Tuesday, October 19th game is that Clay Thompson was going to be playing that game. And I am pretty sure he won't be ready by then because I would love to see what Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have against a very talented Lakers team, you know, that, that everyone's been waiting to see at full health as well. So I wish both those teams were going to be fully healthy for that matchup. But go ahead and answer Thomas's question. I've spoken long enough. 
Well, I mean, I think we know what we would see on that Splash Brothers in full effect. I think they both put up 30 plus. It would be crazy. It would be a crazy, crazy game. Dude, I can't wait till he's healthy. He's one of the most exciting players to watch, I feel like. And he's long forgotten, I feel like, because of his injuries. So, yeah, I wish him a speedy recovery, but we'll see how it goes. I think Aiello, man, you said it, like – you said dinosaurs before there's dinosaurs on that team man. they're old like they are old i however i think that it will be a competitive year i think say we're gonna see the same thing a lot of dnps from the lakers roster a lot of load management for sure especially for lebron maybe another sneaky groin injury that takes him out for like a month plus but no we'll see how it goes i think he will end up playing christmas day i swear i hope i i really want to see that would be my gift my my wish list to Santa, but um, yeah, I think that we'll see at least a healthy KD and a healthy LeBron that game. If not, I think that even the Russ Harden matchup, dude, like you said, Kelly, there's so much. It, maybe it's not even bad blood. There's a lot of good blood there too. They had everybody on that um, that matchup has had a good history together. But there is bad blood too. There's like a reason to fight, and there are there are such competitors too. All of them, they're like the best players in the league. So, Ayala, I think we could see them playing on Christmas Day. I um, think the Harden Westbrook beef and the Durant Westbrook beef that's going to be really funny because I know that Westbrook tried to beat up KD all those years ago when he first left uh, Golden State. I think it was when he had Melo and Paul George on the team. I think that was the year, and they really just tried to kill each other basically but now here they are again Westbrook kind of is falling off the cliff a little bit Harden is his body is slowly starting to betray him and Durant's still really good I mean I don't think we're going to disagree there but his his body as well um is just like can we take breaks please because we we need it like his limbs and all of his feet and stuff and as Kelly said in an earlier episode if only his shoes weren't so big they they would probably be hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy I'm not even kidding when I say that they definitely would have, could have won the whole thing. I, I truly do believe that. As a, as a Knicks fan who gives LeBron James a lot of crap because I'm also a humongous Michael Jordan fan, I give the Nets a lot of crap for obvious reasons. But the Nets very easily could have won the whole thing had Durant's shoe not been a, a size 200 in, in, in length. Listen, I agree with that. And KD really cemented how, how solid and how quality of a player he is last year. Even though they lost that game, you know, just his performances night in night out. I really do think this, these, this Lakers team and this Nets team have pretty much the best older players in the league. So I, it, it is an interesting matchup. I think, you know, it's running out. Of, it, the clock is running down for a lot of these players. So the more we get to see them play each other, the better. But I want to talk about someone who has at least four years and $196 million now on his contract. And that is Joel Embiid. He secured... Um, a spot on the Sixers roster until 2027. He is he was the 2020-21 NBA MVP runner-up. If he hadn't gotten injured, I wouldn't be surprised if he would win, if he had won that award. But he is now has a giant contract. The man got paid. He's been trusting the process. And Gigi, I'll start with you. What does this mean for the Sixers? What does this mean for Embiid going forward? Oh my God. Well, I don't think, first of all, I don't think the surprising news. I think everybody could see him being loyal to, to Philly and staying there. Dude, you know what? No hating on Joel Embiid. He's told us time and time again to trust the process. And even if you don't, why not? Why not trust it? He's exciting enough to watch. I mean, we saw them put up a good run last year too. I think that 
like I said, it's no surprise. He's a key player. He is the key player. But I think it will be really exciting to see how they start off, too, because I think that's going to tell a lot. I think seeing how healthy he is, first of all, in the first couple of weeks could be huge. Um, and, yeah, again, how they start, because like we said, Nets, Lakers, they're old. Philly's young enough to start off strong and to try and keep that momentum throughout the season. They don't really need to load manage as much, but I'm sure we'll see that, too. I don't think any team will avoid that. But, um, yeah, huge unsurprising happy for him and I'm in for the process I think they're such an exciting team to watch too and I think they have a unique style of play too that's as quick enough but um but also focuses on defense in a unique way that I think a lot of the league forgets about um and I think a big key for him to moving forward in addition to scoring I think he needs to keep securing rebounds because I think they could take as many points away in that like in transition as um as they can and that will lead to very successful games because like i said they have such a unique style of play i'm sure you guys know like and have seen and it's just so obvious against um other eastern conference teams that um they're doing what they can and then say when they match up against the nets too maybe that's an eastern conference finals game i mean i'm forgetting about the bucks here but um i think that they have such a well-rounded team where if the bucks say rely on Giannis too much i mean maybe they didn't they obviously spread it across the board enough to win a title but um i think that matchup will be very interesting you have the two bigs going up against each other and then kd too going up against um Embiid. um but i think that the nets stretch the floor a little bit better than the 76ers will do how about you Ayala? what you thinking can i can i go on my ben simmons See, if Gigi didn't throw it to you, I was going to be like, Thomas, you have to include Ben Simmons. Yeah. We, okay. So I, I'm on the, the anti-trade Ben Simmons for a bunch of garbage train because that's the popular uh, trade amongst moron NBA fans. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Because people are suggesting that they should trade him for like Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins. The problem I have with that is, first of all, you can't trade Ben Simmons because he, you know, we know. We know he gives you defense. We, we know. We know, right? We know all the things that he gives you. Okay. You can't trade Ben Simmons for Draymond Green, who doesn't help them when they signed Andre Drummond, too. I think we're forgetting that he, he somehow secured the roster spot. And Andrew Wiggins... He somehow. He deserves to be there, I think. I, I completely disagree. I think, I think Andre Drummond should do a 180 and, and just get the hell out of Philadelphia because him and Joel are going to beef. I, I know they're going to beef. Because the, the, Twitter, the Twitter nonsense just seeps into people's lives at this point, as it seems. But besides that, if they also took on Wiggins, his, his problem was that he couldn't perform in the spotlight. And he went to Golden State, and he, he kind of fixed it playing behind Curry. But my fear is that if he went to Philadelphia, he would have a lot of those problems come back to haunt him. And you can't lose everything that Ben Simmons gives you to gain shooting. And we know that Embiid's the one guy who is not a problem for them kind of at all on both ends. He, he does pretty much everything for the Sixers, but to suggest that how that team is currently constructed can, um, can just dump Ben Simmons like that to gain shooting is asinine. And the second thing, Gigi, I think you are correct in principle, like Philadelphia could make the conference finals. I think it would be great if they did that. But again, this roster is so weird it's it's such a strangely built team with Harris there's no real power forward that I like next to Joel I'm not a, a super fan of Harris playing the four I I don't 
dislike. I didn't dislike Danny Green. I think he's a fine fit. I don't have a problem with him, but it, it's just he's at least a reliable three point shooter. Yeah. Ben Simmons, if he has right. a point him guard. and Seth Curry were magical this year. But again, it's the Ben Simmons handcuff situation, and I don't know how they fix it because he he doesn't want to go back. He's made that obvious. Golden State should not make that trade. Golden State shouldn't even think about making that trade. In fact, I don't know who the hell takes him. It could be. I'm getting, Kelly, you want him in Boston? I'm asking you. Do you, you want him? I, I don't want him in Boston, and I don't know what team wants him, but I don't think he should stay in Philly. And maybe that doesn't mean they, get, they bring in garbage to replace him, but he clearly doesn't have confidence there. He clearly isn't working there. And, yes, I, you're right. Gigi also mentioned how unique their style of play is, especially the defensive focus. And Ben Simmons is a huge reason for that. So, yeah, if you lose him and you get rid of him, you're going to have a huge hole on defense. But at the same time, like, how many chances are you going to give him to, in the playoff to make a shot or take a shot? To be a number two next to Embiid, who's a center, you need someone who can shoot. You need someone who can do more than just play defense. And maybe you keep Simmons and you go and you just find someone else who can shoot and bring in more shooting. But I agree with you in that the fact that this, this roster is confusing and it's weirdly made. And I think they still – yes, it's awesome that they're keeping Embiid, but there's still so many question marks that they need to address in order to make it past those first two rounds in the final. Like, if, if they're going to make it to any, uh, you know, in, into the championship, the way the roster is right now, it's not going to work. They need to either bring someone else in, get rid of Simmons. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what you have to do, but I don't think what, they're having, what they have now is going to work. I have the but answer. I have the answer. Ready? Cut Ben Simmons and never sign him again to any team. That should, that's your solution. There you go. We, we forget how good he is because we saw how bad he was yeah. in the quarter of that game, but... I think the three against the Knicks. What does that tell you? Ben Simmons, though, is like you. It's like asking Melo to play defense, dude. You're not going to do that, and you never will. And the Lakers know that they're not going to get any defensive play out of Carmelo. But with Ben Simmons, obviously, you know he's not going to shoot, but he spreads the floor enough. I mean, he's not going to take a shot from beyond the arc, but he's going to make plays happen. He's a playmaker. Like Sabrina Inesco, I was talking about earlier, is a playmaker. She's not putting up – she put up 14 points the other night. She's not the leading scorer and hasn't been for a while. But she's making plays. She's just dishing out dimes. That's the same thing that you're going to get from Ben Simmons. And, I mean, you say he's not confident in Philly. And, yeah, I mean, I agree to a certain extent. Maybe he's not his most comfortable. But I think that we've seen him improve – like from his rookie year to his um, continuing years from then, he's improved so much with confidence. And I think he's good for Philly. I could see, though, maybe it's a T-Wolves trade right now. Maybe this is where Pat Bev gets involved. I don't know how much. I mean, I love Pat Bev. I'm a huge fan of him. I know we're going to talk about him soon. But um, if you have him coming to, to Philly, that – again it will change their unique style of play in a different way and they're going to be defensive focused against and I think that's what makes them so special is because a lot of people don't want to play defense in the NBA it's a lot of running and stopping and getting your hands out yeah it's a lot of work but I mean like you said Ben Simmons willing to do it Embiid's willing to do it obviously Pat Bev's willing to do it and do it in a really annoying way that gets in your head too and instead also getting it in like your shoes but um, no, I think Ben Simmons needs to stay in Philly. Trust that process. Where else would he go to? I think that's the other question we have. And I think that's a little bit more concerning because he is such a different player. He's a tall point guard who's not going to shoot. Uh, he needs his own position. Right. And I think, I think that's a really good point. And he, he has improved in the regular season. His numbers have gone down every postseason that he's played. But he's super young, and we forget about that. So I think, I think that's a very fair point. And I'm glad you brought up Patrick Beverly. And I think 
You're right, Gigi. I never even thought about that, but he's probably exactly what the Clippers need. But to ask this man to be traded for a fourth time in like 48 hours would probably be a little much. And so that perfectly transitioned to us into our last topic of this episode. And that is the fact that Patrick Beverly's era in Memphis is over. It only lasted about 48 hours or so, but it's over. Uh, LA traded him to the Grizzlies on Sunday with Rajon Rondo. And now the Grizzlies are trading him to the Timberwolves in exchange for Derek Culver and Juancho Hernan, Hernan Gomez. So Interesting trade. I feel bad for Beverly because it seems like every time he gets traded, he ends up on a worse team. And, and Gigi, like you mentioned, this is somebody who could really help a team. He's a strong perimeter defender. He's got great leadership. You know, his numbers were a little bit down last year, but but there's you know he's a solid player. He's going to be a solid um, addition to any team. But I just kind of feel bad for him at this point, ending up on one of the worst teams in the league. Thomas Ayala, I'll start with you. Uh, what's your thought on this latest news about him being traded again? I mean, okay. Okay. I, <laughs> I Patrick Beverly is such a is such a menace to NBA teams because the way he just acts. I mean, you can characterize it as funny, annoying, people someone threw out the word classless. Okay. But in all honesty, he really wants to win. You can see that. I think he really enjoys trolling all of the point guards in the NBA and just being such a prick. I think it's great that he's acting the way he does, but what he gets traded, like he gets traded as if they're just passing around like a, a plate of, of hors d'oeuvres at a cocktail party. It's, it's just, zit, 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 zit. and he warranted, he was, I would say, no, Eric Bledsoe warranted with Jonas Valanciunas, the 10th pick in the draft. So like Patrick Beverly could warrant the 12th pick in the NBA draft. That's, I guess how, valueless NBA picks are. Patrick Beverly, I think he is a good player. There's no denying that on defense, he's earned his money's worth on that side of the floor. He's a pest. He's the, the, the to quote Gary Payton, I'm not going to say the actual word. He's the F up guy. He just Fs everything up. He, he's a menace. He, he can stop whoever he wants, but the way he just gets tossed around is it, it's sad. I, I think it's sad. I don't think he deserves that. He tossed around between teams or by players? He, by teams and, oh, and sometimes oh, yeah. players, but mostly teams. No, I, dude, I completely agree. I feel like it sucks. Like he had such a consistent career with the Rockets and then been on the Clippers for, since what, 2017. And now he's going to the Timberwolves and who knows, maybe he's going to Philly. Maybe we put that take out there. Who knows? Um, I feel like the biggest thing right now is like who the Clippers acquired and who they lost too, because I'm still, I'm on the Clippers train, even though I'm way bigger of a fan of the other players in um, Staples Center. But um, yeah, I think the Clippers are still going to be successful. I think it's a big deal whenever you are a team that loses someone like Patrick Beverly. Same goes to say, if you're losing Draymond Green, like you were talking about earlier, Ayala, I think that's just such a huge player for, um, for team energy, for defense. And what, out of Pat Bev, you're going to get like eight, maybe points a night, maybe less. You're going to get a good amount of steals, some rebounds, and maybe a block or two a game. But he's going to be so annoying on the defensive end. And I think that he'll be a great addition to Cat and um, to the whole Timberwolves squad. I think he's just a key player on any team, keeping in mind who he is 33 and like, um, we were talking dragging on the Lakers earlier. I mean, that's pretty old to be playing a, te- a sport for that long, putting your body through that. 
it's you're up there in years so i mean i'm wondering if he's going to finish out his career with whatever team he ends up being on if he's still being put in a blender in this rotation um i think eric bledsoe i think that's going to be a great addition to the clippers i think it's really nice for him if since he started his career in la to come back and finish there to i mean not finish he's i don't think he'll be done after this <laughs> in the next couple of years but um i think for him to come back i think that would be great for the clippers Dude, they're going to be good. They're going to be a top five team in the West. I still believe that. Um, and, yeah, I think that it sucks for the Clippers to lose someone like that, but they're obviously being really smart. I think a big loss to the Clippers, too, is Rajon Rondo. And I think that him and Pat Bev are just two team role players. We are even saying at one-on-one, they're people who are going to make your team better. They're going to make your team closer. They're going to make your team a team nobody wants to come play that's going to be huge for the Clippers this season. And they're going to have to find that in Kawhi and in Paul George. They're going to have to find that veteran leadership there because they're not going to get that in Rajan anymore. And I'm wondering too, if now Rajan, that we're talking about him, if he's going to be the one that's going to the 76ers and going to be a playmaker and scorer for them. And um, if they do end up trading Ben Simmons. I do think that if Philadelphia takes on a second antithesis player named Rajon Rondo, I feel like that just strikes disaster into their franchise because they have enough problems as it is with Ben Simmons not willing to shoot pretty much. He doesn't want to shoot. I, I, I don't know if Rondo is going to help their needs in shooting. And yeah, like, like you did say, Gigi, like he does a lot of other things well, and we can't deny that. But if their main issue is trading twos when other teams are chucking threes and making threes at a crazy rate... I don't know if Rondo's a good idea. And to just quickly touch on Bledsoe, I think it is a good addition for the Clippers. I mean, you get a you get a essentially a non-guaranteed contract. You don't have to pay him the full 18. You can end up paying him $12 million if the incentives aren't met, something along those lines. But the problem I have with Bledsoe is the playoff performance because the playoff performances have been abysmal. Uh, I'll go back to 2019. He was shooting, he barely shot 24% from the three-point line after shooting over 30 in the regular season. That is a, a big drop-off. That is a big, big drop-off. And then 2020 in the bubble playoffs, he averaged 12 points a game after averaging 16, uh, 15 a game, excuse me. So I, I think the fear with Bledsoe is can he perform in the playoffs? Um, oh, look, I have no problem with both of these teams changing up the backup point guard roles, but... I, I have I have reservations for some of them because these two, as Kelly will tell you, as great as Rondo is as a, as a passer, defender, and I don't think he's a vocal leader. He's definitely a little bit of a weirdo, but for everything else that he does, he does it well. But I, I, the playoffs for Bledsoe for me is the problem. And if Rondo, it's the three-point shooting for me. And I know that it's not his thing. I yeah. just got to kind of wave the, the, the yellow flags here. We're going to wave the yellow flags today. I agree with that. And Beverly himself is a 38.2% three-point shooter. So, you know, that losing that, Gigi said this too, you know, that is going to impact you. But uh, real quick, just to close it out on the, what we've been talking about, I really do think this last deal with Beverly, uh, with the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves was kind of irrelevant at the end of the day. I don't think either team really got better or worse. I mean, yes, Beverly, he can slot in behind Russell, behind, and he'll start in certain lineups, But and he is in a defensive edge. But I, I think the Timberwolves have a lot more 
questions that this, this didn't really answer. I mean, they have a roster crunch. They have 17 players on guaranteed contracts, and that's before getting two new players um, with the Grizzlies. And I, I, it's just like both teams didn't really get that much better. Um, Culver, he's the number six overall pick in the 2019 draft, but he hasn't done anything really since then. So moving him over didn't really make an impact, but I do think Patrick Beverly is a good player and will make some much of an impact. But I think Gigi, you're right in the fact that this definitely, I think, is a, the, the team biggest, the team most affected in the situation is um, the Clippers in losing him. But I, I think you're right in the, in the fact that they can still be a successful team moving forward. But it's super early. It's still August. We have a lot of off-season rumors, speculation, trade talk to get to until the first game in October. So that's going to do it for this edition of Pick and Pod. I've loved having Thomas Sayello and Gigi Spear alongside me in this episode. I'm Kelly Bright. We'll see you next week. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.